Welcome to the table. Uh, I am JM. This is a podcast put on by the good people at Pulpit Rock. Uh, this season, we are talking about change. What has changed in our culture that we can't go back? We have to sort of embrace what's kind of put out before us with the fear and the hope that we have in that and kind of finding ways to navigate around um, difficult topics. And so with me, as always this season, we have uh, Thomas Thompson, Susie Bates, Collins and uh, Jonathan Cleveland, who is going to be sort of hosting this uh, episode. So Jonathan, what is the change that we are talking about today? Yes, I, I'm really excited to talk about this one with you all. It it might sound a little theoretical or maybe esoteric, but I really think this is something that we, uh, like we're just kind of suffering from, at least in the U.S., uh, this, this particular change. Uh, there is a shift that has happened, and we have become a highly segmented tribal culture. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, it's a shift. I don't want to say that like this has never been the case, and now suddenly it is. We always, as humans, kind of tend to clump together in tribes and uh, you know segment ourselves off. Um, but there's something that is happening in this country that uh, we are more entrenched in different mindsets mm-hmm. than ever before. And mm-hmm. when I say the word tribal, I, I just mean that it is a shared mindset. There are shared languages within that. There's uh, uh, some culture, some internal culture. Um, and I think there were moments in our history, and I'm not trying to deify the past, but I think there were moments where we were a little bit more broadly unified. But it seems right now we are so segmented as a culture, and there are some deeply uh, divided segments of our society. And then there are some just lightly divided things that, uh, you know, are are kind of comical or lighthearted, but are real divides Mm -hmm. for us. Um, We are not a culture. We are cultures. Um, And all of us as individuals, we belong to many tribes. Um, And what's interesting is those tribes are not set up by demographics. So it's not like, well, all 30-somethings think this way. Um, but within the group of 30-somethings, you'll have a lot of different mindsets. Um, they're also not set up necessarily by ethnicity or that sort of thing. There's a lot of crossover within these tribes. And there are some big tribes. Obviously, our political landscape is this way. There are a few big tribes out there, not just two. There's a handful of different segments within each party. Um, but then there are thousands of smaller tribes that we could list off. And I guess that's where I wanted to engage you guys just a little bit. When you think about this and what I've described, what what are some of the tribes that you see? What are some of the tribes that maybe you even belong to as a person here in this culture? Hmm. I would say I'm in the mom tribe. Okay. <laughs> that, I, that is not a tribe I am in. What is the mom tribe? I, you know, A tribe of moms. Okay. <laughs> More specifically, I would say I'm in um, a mom of daughters tribe. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I, I'm thinking, like I, my wife and I talk even about just living in Colorado and some of the values in this COVID season. There's things that we value. There's things that I feel like are uniquely Coloradan, that, like outdoor spaces and chances to recreate that as we compare to other parts of the country. We're like, we, we're glad we live here and not here. Mm-hmm. And these are the right. things that are true about living in Colorado is we yeah. go to the park on Saturday and we walk our dog and we, you know, spend time outside. And, um, so that's one, I, you know, I think there's, ho- there's hobbies, there's tribes around hobbies. Mm-hmm. I'm into fly fishing. Yeah. There's a whole community around that. There's certain gear you have to have and yeah. other gear you shouldn't have. And, 
you know, it's so yeah. that's a silly one, but I think there's something to it. Yeah. No, there there are. I mean, that's one of the markers of being part of you know a culture or a tribe. Do you have the right language? Do you have the right materials? Right. Gaming is one of the tribes that I am in, specifically like tabletop gaming, and that that has kind of come under a lot of scrutiny recently because there are there are languages and there are there are terms that get thrown around that are that are being looked at in different ways now. But mm-hmm. yeah, you you have uh, right people who like Star Trek and people who are wrong, right? Like that's <laughs> sort of the mentality. <laughs> Thomas and I share that tribe. <laughs> it, it's funny. I, I'm actually reflecting on your question and thinking. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, we live in a, in a very divisive world right now, where where the tribes that you're in are, are set off like a you know like a, mm-hmm. a rocket when some kind of event happens. And there are some tribes that, that I might call myself a part of that I'm actually kind of afraid to name mm-hmm. because now in this culture, when you identify with this, it's, you, it feels like you get attacked from this other. Well, how could you do this or believe yeah. this? And then the other part of it for me is even realizing. There are tribes I used to say I belong to that I now say I don't yeah. belong yeah. to that anymore. Yeah. And that there's some painful hmm. there's some there was some pain involved in moving out of that. And it just goes back to say just how powerful uh, a tribal group can be. Yeah. That's that's so interesting you say that. I I find like when I don't know if you guys relate to this all. So, so being a pastor is part of a tribe like working at a church. When I get my hair cut I find all kinds of creative ways to say what I do. Like I do some community development. Like I, but yeah. like I don't often just lead yeah. with, "Oh, I am a pastor at a church," because there's all sorts of things, yeah. uh, and there is some pain in that, and or some, or even just a, "Can I trust this person?" Or 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 am I? Do I have to fear this person is going to read into something about this tribe that maybe is true or isn't true or has been portrayed as true from other people? Um, am I setting up some obstacle to relationship by just saying, "Here's a tribe that I'm part of." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and do I want to maybe not lead with that? Let that right. let that come up maybe later, mm-hmm. um, and start with some other ones. Yeah. That's I mean that's fascinating. It's a real interesting point because we bear we when we identify with a tribe, and again as you said, we all belong to these cultures and these tribes. Yeah. We sort of bear all of the markings of that tribe, whether we agree with all of them or not. Mm-hmm. So when you say you're a pastor, mm-hmm. how pastors have handled themselves right. or the things that they have done. You know, I mean, kind of, if, if you were to go even narrower than that, if you were to say you were a priest, well, there's now a whole other layer of yeah. tribal markings that go on that. Um, but you were saying that we're more divided. Is that, do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think that the, it, it may not be more divided. There, you know, All these divisions have always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a, an entrenchment that has happened lately that it just, we're struggling to relate across mm-hmm. tribal lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the mindsets are blending uh, a, a little bit more roughly than ever before. So if I may just go on a little brief tangent, yeah. do you think that's because it's easier now for us to isolate ourselves in our tribes thanks to the internet, right? It used to be like I, if I liked this specific thing, I still had to deal with everyone else in my life who didn't necessarily right. like that. But now wow. I can find that other person in like, Germany, who likes yeah. the exact specific right. thing that I do, and yeah. we can build new fences. Let me give you the classic. Chamber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me yeah. give you the classic example of this. That is a relatively new thing, um, uh, but it was a very old thing at one point. Was so there. There is like the Flat Earth Society. Now I know very little about the Flat Earth Society, um, except that uh, Their as name I would assume all. that yeah. they believe in a flat Earth, right? Uh, so. You know, 50 years ago, if someone was like, I think the earth is flat, we would be like, 
No, I'm pretty sure it's round. And that would be the end of the discussion, right? Because of the internet and all, all the ability to communicate across the globe, um, mm -hmm. across the globe. Uh, so, uh, Which they actually use in their yeah, language, yeah. which amuses me greatly. Now there's someone over here who believes in a flat earth, and there's someone way over here who also believes in a flat earth, and they're talking. And all of a sudden, they formed a society because mm -hmm. we share this in common we reject the idea that the earth is a globe and we believe it's flat. And I, I don't know if they're being serious. Honestly, I, I don't know enough about this to talk about it. But that is a tribe now mm -hmm. that has shared language, shared approach mm -hmm. to reality. Uh, and even though it's very divergent from what most of us would accept as reality, uh, they have clumped together. Uh, and we struggle to understand them. They may struggle to understand the rest mm -hmm. of us who believe in a globe. Um, it it, it feels really dysfunctional, but there is mm -hmm. a real functional reason behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, like there, there's something about our world that with globalization, just the largeness of cities, it's easy to feel lost. Right. And so we desperately need this community that we can find within a tribe. And that's why we clump together like this. Well, and I think there's something inherently human about just being seen and having something that we care about mirrored in someone else that we just go, oh, someone else yeah. thinks this way or feels this way. And that's incredibly affirming. It's incredibly like, uh, like we, we, we long for it. We, mm -hmm. we seek it out. And so some of, I mean, there's obviously ways that this can be dangerous, um, but there, there's a gift too in the interconnectedness of our world where we go, gosh, I can see myself in others. And finally, maybe I'm not the only one who kind of right. feels yeah. the way I feel. Or well, and I, I mentioned this in the sermon one time, but I actually had watched a documentary on the Flat Earth Society. <laughs> And there was a fascinating part where a psychologist was talking about how even some of the people in that society who who have come to believe that the earth is not flat can't leave the tribe because right. they've so identified themselves with this mm. that to leave this tribe now and say, hey, I do believe the earth is round, um, it's like they've lost their identity. They've lost all their community. They're completely shunned. And so it's like, well, I, even my belief systems, I'm well, going to submit my belief systems to a tribe because yeah. this is where it's right. what I found yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. They can't leave. So here's the, here's the challenge. Here's the problem. Um, while tribes afford some positive things like community and connection, mm -hmm. uh, the biggest challenge that I see for us is, especially as believers is, uh, cross cultural experiences are inherently very difficult mm -hmm. and there's a lot of opportunity for misunderstanding. And it used to be like cross-cultural experiences. We would think about traveling overseas or something like that. Now I would submit that we have dozens of these cross-cultural or cross-tribal experiences a week. Um, and we've gotten uh, really bad at interacting mm -hmm. with other people's perspective and really understanding it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think some of that is just the, the fatigue of I'm constantly coming across someone that I don't understand. And uh, the flat earthers were like, oh, that's just dumb. I'm not going to even think about it. But they're real people, right? And yeah. so there's something about engaging with them that we have to recapture. Um, there, there's like this temptation to villainize those that we do not understand, and especially those who come from tribes that we don't relate to the mindset or the mindset takes a little bit of effort to understand. And I see that as one of the biggest problems. I'm, I'm curious, yeah. have you guys seen other downsides to kind of this entrenched, highly segmented tribalism that we have in our culture? There's one that's, that's on my heart right now, um, uh, working with churches in our city. Uh, during all of kind of this racial unrest and the stuff that we're working through, um, one group of churches of a certain kind of 
denominational or belief systems uh, put together kind of this rally where they were going to march to City Hall and, and ask for some change and reform. This other group over here organized this giant prayer rally, and they had that in this park. And what was interesting is uh, a friend of mine went to this rally, uh, the, the first rally, and and one of the things that came up, she said, well, they, they kept saying, where are all the other pastors? Where are all the other pastors? And my response to her was, we weren't invited. I, I would say I was in the second tribe, and we weren't invited to this. And, and watching the, that at this prayer rally, these people weren't invited. And so you had these two kind of groups in our city that would both say, we believe in Jesus Christ, but they're they're not working with each other at all. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, this one tribe has this approach, this one tribe um, is trying to put together this kind of um, document or something, and but th- there's no, there's not even the thought that they would invite the others, mm-hmm. right? And and the divide is so strong that even though we share a common Christ, we're not going to work together. And my my heart breaks because I thought, wow, if these two groups could ever just get together, mm-hmm. what could right. we do in the city? Right. Yeah. But we're holding on to our tribes more. Well, and one of the strange things I think about tribes is what makes it a tribe is that people are excluded like that it's the people who are like me that do these things and the whole thing that gives it identity is that there are some people that aren't part of this that they don't get it they don't share my values language culture experience identity whatever those things are built around and so the very identity and function of the tribe is actually to keep people out and to be exclusive and so you know the heroes or the the people we try to emulate are the ones who most represent the ideal of that tribe mm-hmm. rather than um, what would it look like to kind of br- move beyond this and try to understand others and to be um, like it, it's the opposite of the tribal mentality right like yeah. what we're describing is something that is it's the opposite of what we're doing when we create tribes it's like no people are left out that's the point yeah. yeah well and you and you get like even in a tribe as Thomas was saying right we have this idea that we still want to build more more exclusion, right? Like, instead of saying, hey, everyone is made in the image of God and that should be our baseline for interaction, we say, well, I don't understand how you can be a Christian and do just fill in the blank. And it's right. like, no, like there are people in your church who believe radically different things on a variety of topics right. that, as you said, we still share the same Christ. And somehow that is not enough for us anymore. We want to mm-hmm. say, well, you can't be a Christian and do or and vote. Ooh. A certain way and it's like how do we reconcile even inside the tribe that you know you have a variety of denominations you have people who do things that we would consider hateful to people yet still say right christ is christ is god christ is lord Mm -hmm. christ is savior you're like i don't know how to reconcile that even just inside one of my tribes and i think that creates a tension that leads us to the wrong action, which is I better be really good at explaining why this is my tribe, mm-hmm. why it's the right tribe, mm-hmm. and and why I'm at peace being in this tribe, as opposed to what we really should be leaning into is how do I get other voices into my life? Right, so we double down on exclusivity. Yeah, we double yeah. down. Right. Yeah. We become evangelists for that yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. Here's why I think, as believers, we gotta care about this. It, it, because it, at some point, we're just looking for family, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. if you have it, why not double down and keep mm-hmm. everyone else out? Uh, but there, there's this verse that has always stuck in my mind is so unique. Um, but uh, I, I really think it, it gives us 
something to do with this tribalism or this mm-hmm. segmented uh, reality in society. It comes out of John 17. Um, this is a, a, a moment where Jesus is praying and uh, John has kind of written down the prayer as he remembers it. And he has this part where Jesus is praying to his heavenly father. It's just Jesus and God talking, right? And Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And then this is what he prays for his people, right? He says that all of them may be one, Father, mm-hmm. just as you are in me and I am in you may, you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. And there's something about this that I think we we gloss over so quickly, Hmm. is that Jesus is asking his father for something that is only accomplished through God. And the thing that he is asking for is unity is that like the segmented, highly tribal mm-hmm. mindset that we bring into life would somehow be broken down and that people would come together as one. Mm-hmm. And he says that would actually be the proof that we belong to God, that God exists and that he is in us and that we are in him would be this idea that we are able to rise above the highly segmented tribal mindset. And so there's something that I really believe is true um, that as the church or as the, the the body of Christ on earth, that we are to be people of unity. Um, and the segmented nature of our culture is the one thing that we should not replicate in the church, or maybe not the one thing, but it is something we should not. Yeah. And there's something about if we are able to be people of unity, um, that it proves God in a way that nothing else will. Yeah. And that's actually what yeah. Jesus is saying here. And I'm curious, just like to be the church as people of unity, what does that spark? I mean, I look at us and I would say that there's a lot of instances where maybe we have been less than that. Um, But like it's this high calling. This is why we talk table here at Pulpit Rock so much is this is a symbol of unity for us. Does that spark anything with you all? Well, I think, you know, in in one case, it it sort of is, I don't want to say a little damning, but um, right, it's sort of the American Protestant mentality of, hey, if we don't agree, we'll just form our own denomination, yes. and we're going to push our individualism to an extreme where we're all isolated individuals as opposed to mm-hmm. a community under right. as as the body of Christ. Christ right. doesn't have multiple bodies; he has one body right. in the church, and it's easy to forget yeah. that kind of in our like very Western American mindset. Yeah, he didn't pray. I pray that all of them may be one with 30,000 denominations. (laughs) Well, but the the other mistake we make on the other side, though, is is we think of unity as unity of belief. And then we say, well, let's write down on a piece of paper every position of everything Mm -hmm. that and everyone come and sign on the dotted line. And this is how we're going to be unified. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not the unity that is being described here either. And so I, I think the other mistake is, well, we'll just create a really tight, big fence and we'll make sure everyone agrees with us in here. And that's the unity we'll have. We all share the same belief. That's just tribalism done in a different sort of way, right? Yeah. If you would just believe what I believe, right. we would have unity. Like, that's, that's not right. it. That's not it. <laughs> if you would just behave like I want you to, we would right. have unity. It's not it. It's unity around how I've defined it. Right. It's interesting to me about that verse, too, just that I don't know how time and space work with God, but this thought that if Jesus really was praying for all who would come after, 
then that means that Jesus is praying for Colorado Springs in 2020 yeah. for the believers to be in unity. Like that's, yeah. that's on his heart for us. That's yeah. just a sobering. I think where a lot of this comes from is deep in our hearts, we are all afraid mm-hmm. that we're not going to measure up to something. Are we in or are we out? And to quiet that fear, we want to create these guidelines. So I'm in, I'm in, okay, and you're out. Just to quiet that fear, um, yeah. it's much easier to do that than just to accept God's grace in our own life and for the people around us. Gosh, that'll preach. I, I like this. I, I've thought this a few times, but you articulate that really well. There is something about a unity that it requires an inner security, mm-hmm. um, maybe a security in God's love. Um, that people who are uniners, they operate with that. Yeah. That fear is quieted a little mm-hmm. bit in them. Um, that was the other verse I wanted to bring into this. It's from Ephesians 4. And the end of it is, uh, Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. But the beginning of it is the part that's so relevant. This idea of we as people need to be the people of unity. Yeah. That's what it mm-hmm. means to be the church. Uh, But Paul says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And then he hits us with the, uh, I don't love this sentence, but he says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I think he's given us those ingredients there. And Mm -hmm. it's just it's like, oh, of course he would say that. Be completely humble and gentle mm-hmm. and patient and bearing with one another in love. And I think like that just means that I, I'm going to allow you to be human around me right. and not make you pay mm-hmm. for that when you make yeah. mistakes or believe different things. Uh, and, and I think there's something about this that it's so simple. It just mm-hmm. might work that if if we focus on humility and patience, uh, that even in this highly segmented and tribal society, we could actually cultivate some unity. Um, how have you seen that play out? How do you see that, that people who fight for unity are able to bridge that gap um, between tribes, between segments of our society, between mindsets? I, I think there's a desire like for unity that is also hardwired in us in the same way that there's a desire for kind of community and to find family. But we do sometimes just need those guides and bridge builders to kind of show us the way and, and kind of model some of that. I mean, I there have been times where I feel like I have come out of my tribal whatever because someone has invited me into something. Mm-hmm. And so there's someone who's gone before and said, hey, I want you to meet so-and-so and I want you to be part of this. And would you you know have coffee with us? And following that guide into something that was, they were kind of being a bridge builder really opened mm-hmm. up um, and so I want to be that, but I also like, I need people like that in my life that I can mm-hmm. follow into places. Cause I, I'm not always great at that. Like sometimes I need the invitation to kind of be drawn out into this, this other thing. I think that people who are able to be uniters are willing to sit at different tables mm-hmm. with different people and willing to, when you sit at a table, it's humble because we're at the same level now mm-hmm. and we're having a conversation, which means I'm going to listen to what you are saying. And I think it's a shift from uh, what I, how, how I would kind of define the tribalism I'm seeing right now in our country is if you not, are not with me, you are against me. Mm-hmm. There is no other right. middle ground. And, and there could be a shift over to if you are not with me, would you at least understand me? Mm-hmm. Like we... Well, that's only going to take place if we're willing to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. And I've had so many times where I've sat with people and 
at the end of the conversation, I thought, you know, I don't think my belief on this has changed, but I understand you now. You're not right. a monster. Right. You don't hate scripture or you're a person like me. You just, you just landed somewhere else. And, right. and, and, you know, I have to be secure enough. And like you said, to mm-hmm. say, and, and I'm okay walking away from that conversation, holding that. I don't have to fix that person or correct that, but we can, if we could just move from, if you're not with me, you're against me too. If you're not with me, can we at least understand each other? Mm-hmm. But again, that only takes place through conversations. And a lot of us are afraid mm-hmm. to go outside a wall and mm-hmm. sit at a different table. Yeah. yeah, it's relational. I mean, that stuff doesn't happen online. Those do happen on discussion mm-hmm. forums. Like it, it's relationship mm-hmm. and it's actually embodied presence with people at the table that changes us in that way. Yeah. I think here's the shift we have to accept. Um, society is not coming together anytime soon. Um, and I think Jesus' prayer kind of informs this theological perspective that unity is miraculous. Mm-hmm. You know, it, unity is a, a accomplished by the Spirit of God. Um, so this segmenting of our society is not going away. I think there's this identity that we can embrace as God's people around being a people of unity, but it takes that humility. It takes mm-hmm. that patience. It takes bearing with people. Mm-hmm. Um and we just we just have to embrace it. And I think the highly segmented nature of our, our society, if we accept that, it actually gives us this incredibly redemptive and incarnational action that we can be mm-hmm. and we can bring to bear on a segment of society, bringing others together in, in unity. And and I think that has to be our identity as as God's people. I mean, that, if for no other reason, that's what Jesus prayed. Right. But um, it, I think it has to be something that we own, uh, but owning it means owning humility. You know, yeah. yes, good. Jonathan, there's something. Um, there's a, a time in the New Testament where Christianity is still kind of getting formed, and it was originally kind of formed out of the Jewish faith. And there was this growing movement uh, happening where people were thinking, "Well, yes, Jesus Christ is who we believe in, but but he's the Jewish Messiah, and he was Jewish, and he had Jewish beliefs. And so, really, if you want to become a Christian," Anyone can become a Christian, but really to be a real Christian, you need to become a Jew. Mm-hmm. So we need you to get circumcised. We need you to eat kosher. We need you to observe holy festivals. And, and, and even Peter began to kind of buy into that a little bit. And it was starting to form some tribes. And long story short, Paul had to confront him face to face. Why did he confront him? In Galatians chapter 2, verse I think 14, he says, The reason I had to confront Peter because I saw that he was not acting in line with the gospel. Mm-hmm. So he, he was elevating this tribalism thing and saying this tribalism thing is not just a social issue or a racial issue or a faith issue. It is a gospel issue. And I, that's where I love where you, you're taking us because if we, if we can hold on to what unifies us is the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. resurrection of Christ. That's, mm-hmm. that's where we are most unified. And, and it all radiates out from there. But the problem mm-hmm. is we sometimes, even in Christianity, let our own... Right. tribes eclipse the gospel right. yeah. and that becomes more important so it's good yeah. well thank you guys all for this discussion this has been a great episode of welcome to the table i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've enjoyed your place here at the table uh we will be back on youtube in a week and the podcast is updating you can find us at uh at pulpit rocks website so again thank you uh look forward to welcoming you to the table next time